the key to hunting Jedi and podcasters is patience. Our compulsion to talk about Star Wars leaves a trail. The Journey Into Podcast is proud to present this journey into a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A journey into Star Wars. Join Marshall Latham and Rish Outfield as we explore this world of mystery and adventure featuring many delusions of grandeur. Yeah, just go ahead and say it. I know you want to. <laughs> what? I'm recording? No, just uh, I, I figured you were going to start the show with the only two words oh, okay. yes. that anybody seems to associate with Obi-Wan Kenobi. But I... Kenobi. Oh, no, I actually wasn't thinking that. But... Oh, well, good. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Star Wars Delusions of Grandeur here on the Journey Into podcast. My name is Marshall Latham, and I'm here with Rish Outfield, and we're finally going to sit down and talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, the latest... Hey, did... Never mind. Go on. The latest... The latest Star Wars television series from Disney+. Plus. Yes. Yes, thank you. (laughs) I was having a hard time there. Yeah, just let me say this at the beginning. Uh, We didn't do a play-by-play for each individual episode on this show. If things had gone better at the Star Wars Celebration... I think we would have. We would have come home from that screening and talked about it for an hour and, and, and maybe recorded something. Both of us had our microphones, our recorders, the whole time we were at Star Wars Celebration. And the only time we ever used them was in the car going down and in the car coming back. So yes. uh, part of it was we were just tired and I was sick. But but I was I was just super upset about the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. Did, hey, did you... Did you hear, hear? Rightly so. <laughs> did you hear a voice just now? No. Okay. I, you know, I've got my headset on. You know, the wireless one. There must be like some other ah. signal going in. Sorry. Uh, but yes, all six episodes have aired, and uh, I think I made the decision early on of, dude, let's just talk about it when it's over. And so here we are. They've all aired. We'll be talking about the whole mini-series, if you want to call it that, or the whole arc. You can start us off if you want to. Well, uh, why don't you go ahead? I was just going to start going into the director and that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about the show, as you will find. <laughs> what I wanted to say was, years ago, I went to Idaho to see the total eclipse of the sun. And you got called away from Idaho. You lived in Idaho at the time. I still do, I think. No, I, I lived in Oregon at the time. Oh, you did? I did. Oh. Well, you were called away, I want to say, to like California. That I was. That weekend when the eclipse happened. And uh, for some reason, I called you while I was in Idaho. See, I, I, I thought that we were going to get together or something, and then your your work made you not make it. But you told me on this call in 2018 that Lucasfilm had announced an Obi-Wan Kenobi 
show. And you have to have heard it. Th- no. Anyway, we talked about what we would like to see in a show about Obi-Wan. Uh, sorry, not a show. It was a movie. It was, uh, it was a Star Wars story like Solo and like Rogue One. Right. A film. They were going to do one for Han Solo. They were going to do a film for Obi-Wan. And they were going to do a film for Boba Fett. And only the Solo one got made. But you and I talked about where you could go with it and what it could be. And I thought that there, there was potential for something interesting. Um, he, would you say that he is the most beloved character of the prequels? I would say that. Yeah, definitely. Recently, you and I talked about Ahsoka Tano. And I'd say she's the most beloved character of the Clone Wars show. Yes. But after her, would you say it's Obi-Wan? Uh, yeah, some might say Anakin, but, uh, I'd say Obi-Wan for sure. Okay. I don't know, uh, Clone Wars very well, and I've only seen the four episodes that we talked about last month, but, uh, of the prequels, people don't tend to love Anakin as much as they do Obi-Wan. There's a dignity, I think, that Ewan McGregor brings to the character he he does a very good job, even when some of the dialogue's not great. Whereas, you know, poor Jake Lloyd and Peyton Christensen stumble a lot more over the dialogue. Even Portman, I would say, stumbles over the dialogue more than Ewan McGregor does. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. A- anyway, that movie got canceled. After Solo lost a gazillion dollars, they canceled that. They canceled the Boba Fett movie. But that movie came back in the form of this Disney Plus series. As far as I remember, the film was written by Stuart Beattie. Is that right? Stuart Beattie was the guy that came up with the idea of let's do a Pirates of the Caribbean movie for Disney. And uh, I want to say he wrote Collateral, which was this action movie with Tom Cruise and... Samuel L. Jackson, right? No, it was the guy that played Ray Charles. Oh, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Am, am I remembering that wrong? No, I think you're right on that. Anyway, he had written this this film that was, of course, top secret. We don't know what it was about. But I read an interview with him just the other day, and he said the first two episodes and the last episode are basically the movie that he wrote. In fact, he is credited as story by on those three episodes. So I, so I think that that's interesting, that we got to see that story told just on more extended palette. And, and, and some would say too extended a palette. But I don't want to tip my hand yet of how <laughs> overlong I felt the show was. Anyway, I will hand it off to you to say whatever you want to say about the series. Well, I, I thought it was interesting. I've heard rumors, and I don't know how true the rumors were, that originally for maybe, I don't know about the film, but for the series, they were going to focus on Darth Maul being the main antagonist. And then later they weren't happy with that. And so they changed it and decided to go with, because I think they had probably talked Hayden Christensen into coming back or whatever. And so they decided to focus it around Vader rather than Maul. But I don't know how true that is, if that's just a rumor or if there, that was verified anywhere. But I've heard I, that... I feel like Deborah Chow said that when she signed on, 
both Darth Maul and Darth Vader appeared in the series. Oh, and okay. And that she was active in eliminating the Maul character because she felt like they both did... They both served the same purpose, and we had already seen that big confrontation uh, on the Clone... Not, it wasn't the Clone Wars. It was on Rebels. Rebels, right. The Rebels series. Uh, oh, and let me get this out of the way, too. The, so the, I think the showrunner for this series was a guy named Joby Harold. And his name was on every single episode. And every time his name showed up, I'd be like, Joby? What kind of name is Joby? <laughs> Jeez, dude. I, 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 I've laughed multiple times today thinking of the name Joby Harold. <laughs> And it's like, okay, tonight when we talk about this, I wish I could find like a audio clip like I do of Dookie. What's that smell? To play every time. Not that we will say the name Joby much more than now, but it's just a... Have, okay, you've lived 50 years. Have you ever known anybody named Joby in those, those decades? Actually, it's kind of a joke in our family because... When uh, my oldest was a little girl, she had a friend named Joby that she played with. And then we moved and she didn't have Joby to play with anymore. And so she had an imaginary friend, two imaginary friends, Joby and Plup Plup. (laughs) And so I've always been going to write a children's story with Joby and Plup Plup in them, but I have not done so yet. That's the only time that it, that I've ever heard the name of Joby was this little kid that my oldest played with, and then it became her imaginary friend. Well, let me encourage you right now to someday write the Joby and Plup Plup children's story or series of children's stories or animated series or video game or whatever it ends up being. <laughs> just so that I can use that audio clip that I searched high and low for every time we say Joby. Oh, you found one. That's good. Well, I better have. I just said I did. (laughs) So you will find out when I edit this what I chose. I just, yeah, I just wanted to say that. I wanted to make fun of the poor man's name. He's much, much more successful than I have ever been. He's writing the next live-action Transformers movie called Rise of the Beasts. Oh, boy. That's nine fifty. I will not be spending, but... Oh, I was hoping we could do a outfield excursions about that one. Aw. Just kidding. Yeah, never say never. I did see Bumblebee. Oh, I didn't mind Bumblebee. And so, you know, I, I, I guess I can be... Uh, coerced into going hey and and bumblebee was kind of in this show right (laughs) oh okay because there was a big yellow droid big yellow loader i will give you a dollar by the way if you can tell me the name of that droid it was like uh it it sounded to me like ned Beatty. it was something like that it was oh that's interesting because i was thinking ned 209 and then I thought, no, 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 it's Ed 209 from RoboCop you're thinking of. But you said Ned also. Hmm. I might have to look that up. Well, yeah. One, one day somebody will tell us. Uh, Gino probably knows because he <laughs> knows obscure Star Wars trivia that I don't. 
anyway, this series takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. It, sorry, it's Ned B, N-E-D dash B droid. So, huh. I, I guess you'll be getting the toy of that, right? If they make one, yeah. Oh, oh, they're <laughs> making one. All right. You were saying? Oh, okay. So it takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. And it really, really does play all of the notes to please the people that, that are fans of the prequels. My guess is the more that you like the prequels, the more you would enjoy the Obi-Wan show. Because it, it, it treats that stuff very affectionately. Um it started out, and you said your version did not start out this way, but the version that I saw on Disney Plus and everybody else who wasn't in that theater with you saw was a, a nine-minute recap of the prequel trilogy. And so, you know, it starts with Qui-Gon Jinn and, and child Anakin and, you know, them, them being introduced, and it just goes all the way to um, I hate you and him burning and... Uh, the twins being delivered to their respective foster parents. And it, it, it was well edited, but I, I kind of wanted to see animated stuff because I don't know the animated stuff and people tell me how good the animated stuff is. But ultimately, I, I feel like they left it out because you didn't need to have seen any of that. What Did you get any references to The Clone Wars? Did you pick up on any of that stuff during the six episodes that I didn't? No, no, I think they didn't worry about that in their uh, their development of this show. Okay, I guess uh, that's that. Ten years after Revenge of the Sith, so Obi-Wan has been on Tatooine, presumably for, for a decade. Little Luke Skywalker uh, is still over in the moisture farm with Owen and Beru, and little Leia Organa is on Alderaan with... Uh, with Bail Organa, is he, is he King Bail Organa? We we I remember Brea Organa is the mother. He must be, or she's the queen and he's her husband. But I don't know if that makes him king or or what. But they never say they, king. They never do. Organa. They always say Senator Organa, right? Yeah, yeah. So it may be that she is royalty. He married her, and he's still a, a senator. He's not king. Yeah. Anyway, you had this idea, I'm not sure if it's a good one, but it's better than the idea I had, of just talking <laughs> about the characters and sort of what they do, their arcs, so that we don't have a three-hour recording session tonight. Yeah, and part of that is because I was thinking about this whole series and my thoughts on it, and I thought the strongest thing, some stronger than others, but... The strongest thing was the character development, or the character, especially of Obi-Wan, since it's his show to begin with. And so I thought maybe we could just go through the different characters, and of course we'll hit some of the plot points, but I don't know if we need to go through it episode by episode like we typically would with The Mandalorian, or like Keith and I would do for a Trekkin episode. Because I think the character stuff is the more interesting stuff. Okay, does that get exhausting when you're doing your trekking stuff? Especially if it's an original series and you've got to do over a dozen episodes. Or Next Generation probably had 25 episodes in its first season, right? Yeah, it, it sometimes it gets a little daunting. And I wonder if anybody's going to sit through it all. But at the same time, most of all, I'm enjoying talking about it. So <laughs> it's not too bad, but... 
Okay. And and that show, you know, that's set up to be more of a, you know, network show, you know, with all these different episodes in it. More so than I think this was set up to be a six-part movie rather than an episodic television show. Yeah, it felt like it to me. I know that there was a, a theater chain in Canada that showed the whole thing, all six episodes. It was like a five and a half hour special event. They showed it, and if you chose to see it that way, and I thought, oh, that's that's cool. That's 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 the way these things should be made. But I, I don't know that I would have handled that. I had trouble staying awake watching it weekly. Yeah, because because you would stay up until it came out, right, and then you'd watch it after midnight. Right. Yeah, it drops at one a.m here and so a couple of times it was more difficult but um it it feels like and 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 feel free to argue with me if if you disagree but it feels like you could cut this down to a movie like a two and a half hour movie and you wouldn't lose a lot in fact it might tighten up and become more satisfying more fulfilling in a two hour two and a half hour stretch but usually, television enables you to go into more detail of character development and, and dialogue and the reasoning behind things in a way that movies don't. That's why people like television more, is you get to really, really dive in. What, what, are you, what do you think as far as this show goes? Yeah, I think that television is kind of built for that. And uh, I think we've seen that in The Mandalorian. But again, that this kind of is a different beast in and of itself. I, I talked about starting with Obi-Wan, but I really, one of the biggest surprises for me from the very first episode was I did not know that a young Leia was going to be part of the show. I guess that was spoiled ahead of time, but I didn't pay attention which I'm glad because I was I was really surprised that not only was she a part of the show, but she was a huge part of the show. Yeah, she's in every episode. Yeah, and it wasn't... I thought it was going to be more about Luke because that's what we've always, you know... That's what Ben's on Tatooine for is to watch over Luke. So, of course, it's going to be about him. But it's barely about him. The stuff with him was kind of shoehorned in anyway. But yeah, so I... Thought maybe we'd start off talking about Leia and her portrayal by uh, Vivian Lyra Blair, a little girl that played Leia Organa. And I thought she did an excellent job overall. I liked her character. I thought maybe she would have been better used if she wasn't in every episode. But I think I liked all of the stuff with her in there. The only thing that I kind of have a complaint about with her is that she has to be rescued twice <laughs> like really close to each other because <laughs> i she's rescued in episode two and then she's rescued again in episode four so in episode three she's taken again at the end and they have to go rescue her once again from reva and the other inquisitors it's a little higher stakes the second time around but it's still kind of the same episode twice, I felt. But what were your thoughts about Leia and the, the how she was portrayed by this girl? Well, she was the thing I liked the best of the whole series, even more than Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Because she's not a prequels character. She's a beloved Star Wars character to me. And 
we've talked about that book that I read and that story that I wrote. Yep. And I just, I've always been fascinated by young Leia and what her life might have been like. And uh, you got little glimpses of the woman that she would become. And every once in a while, there, she would d deliver a line in this stilted royalty way that, uh, that Leia had. <laughs> and I thought that that was really cool. I also really love... Bail Organa. I love Jimmy Smits as Bail Organa. He's one of my favorite prequels characters who carries on to, uh, I know he's in Clone Wars, but he was also in Rogue One. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I just, I like that they have this relationship. We got to see a lot more development with the, uh, the queen as well in this and yeah. shows a little bit of how Leia grew up to be who she was. And some of the expectations that were put upon her. Yeah, I, we've, I think we've had this discussion that Leia must have had it really, really good while Luke had it really, really bad. You know, Leia grew up with wealth yeah. and privilege and influence and excitement. And Luke was basically out in the junkyard in the desert with nothing. Poverty and hardship and a crippling pair of sons in the sky all the time. <laughs> but she had responsibilities that Luke didn't. And she had to grow up in a way that Luke didn't. And so I, I, I think that that's kind of cool that they are so different just because of the environment that they were brought up in. Something that we talked about that very night was her little droid Lola. I, I thought it was very cute and unique and interesting looking. Lola had a lot to do on the show as well. Do you still want a Lola toy? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I want one that turns red, though. When it's, I want an evil Lola. I want a setting in there that you can turn her evil. I wonder <laughs> if that is possible. They would have had to have known about that early enough to put it into the toy. And is that something that Lucasfilm would share with them or not? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> Probably not. not. But something that I was going to say is, is there is no relationship between Obi-Wan and Leia in the original trilogy. He doesn't even know she has the Force, apparently. It's, you know, it's very stilted. She calls him General Kenobi. And so to see them bond and him tell her things that she never knew about her biological parents and him, you know, caring for her like a parent was really, really cool, was really yeah. surprising. Uh, the, the most emotional I think I felt in the whole series was at the end when he was telling her about how she had inherited these characteristics from her parents. And uh, I think it was neat that they kept doing stuff with her hair and giving her costumes that felt f like something Leia wore in the original trilogy. Yeah, they did a great job at that. It's yeah. neat. It's something we talked about years ago is uh, the Stranger Things girl wanted to be wanted to be a young Princess Leia. And I heard that she mentioned that while she was doing press for the Stranger Things new series. <laughs> She's just like, I still want to do that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe with the, the groundwork here, maybe that's that's a possibility. But yeah, I, I really like the, the relationship between her and Kenobi. You know, there's, a, there's time in the second episode where she doesn't trust him and she runs away from him and and he has to go, you know, try to save her and while she's running away from him. But then there's the, I think it's episode three, where they're on that planet and they're, they're in the truck heading down the road. And, and eventually some stormtroopers join them or whatever. And they have to avoid suspicion and things like that. But they're having a conversation on that truck. 
and she thinks that he's her father. You know, he says, Are, you're my father, aren't you? And he just looks at her for a long time and he says, I wish I was, but no, I am not. At, at another time, he talks about how much she reminds him of her, her mother and things like, oh, that might have been just at that same scene. He might have said that and then that made her think that he was her father. But uh, that was just really good chemistry between those two and uh, really well done, I thought, with, with that relationship. Yeah, it's funny how little we know about her childhood and her youth and her formative years because she's not the focal character of the trilogy. Luke is. And the way that Luke, you know, jumps on what uh, Owen says about he died around the same time as your father, you can tell that Luke wants to know where he came from, but and he doesn't. Right. But we never knew whether Leia knew anything our only clue is when luke in jedi asks her what do you remember about your real mother and um i I think that there are many stories to be told as i'm always saying i want a story about junior senator leo organa discovering that the empire is corrupt and deciding to become a part of the rebel alliance i i want that series to be made Maybe you have to wait until Vivian Lyra Blair is old enough to play her at, you know, <laughs> Maybe. at 16 or something like that. But uh, I, I just... Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think that there are stories to be told and, and corners of the galaxy to be explored that, that we had never had hints of before now. Yeah. And yeah, those, those two had this great relationship that developed over the show. And, uh, and, uh, and she had some great moments on her own, too, like... In the first episode where she is uh, arguing with her cousin who's just being a jerk. And she pretty much sets him in his place and, and reads who he is and whatever and puts him in his place. And that, that was a lot of fun and shows you the more into the Carrie Fisher side of it, you know. And then there's, I think it's episode four when she's being interrogated by Reva on the Inquisitor planet. And she's just full of sass and talking back to her and... At one point, Reva tries to say, you know, we're all on the same team. We're all working together. And she's like, you're right. I'll tell you what you want to know. But first, I, I need to talk to my father, Bail Organa. And Reva's like, well, no, you can't do that. He goes, well, I thought we were all on the same team, isn't it? You know, so, <laughs> so she she shows her, you know, she's she's not a dummy. She can figure things out pretty quick. So, so I don't know if there's much more to say about her, but... Uh, I really enjoyed that. I was surprised by her being in there and enjoyed her all the way through. Okay, well, you just mentioned Reva. Let's talk about Reva next. Okay. I think she was probably the second lead of the series and, and you know, the main antagonist of the series. And I don't know why she has a name and isn't just third sister, but we refer to her as Reva all throughout. She's played by Moses Ingram and... Uh, I, I didn't like her at all when she was first introduced, but I, th- I think I warmed to her a little bit as the show went on. She's uh, an inquisitor, but she's the lowest on the rung of the the inquisitor ladder. And um, the other inquisitors resent her. And uh, I think later we find that out it's because she was... A former Jedi, right? Right. Or, or a Padawan or a y- whatever they call a Jedi child at the uh, temple. 
Well, unfortunately, yeah, that's youngling, I think is what they uh, refer to. I don't use that word. Come on, man. <laughs> We're going to have to put an explicit warning. They, uh, they refer to her as coming from the sewers a couple of times. And I... Right, we found you. I wondered if that was the... Uh, if they were being literal there. I, I, she survived Order 66 somehow. And it's possible that she did go into hiding on the Coruscant sewers. And that's where they discovered her. Or, or it could mean that, you know, the, the, the life of a Jedi child is frowned upon by these other inquisitors. Inquisitors. There's the Grand Inquisitor, who I guess is the same character from Rebels that Jason Isaacs voiced. Right. And um, he's played by Rupert Friend in this. And he, he's got a really cool voice, but boy, he, he, he sure doesn't do a lot on the show. He doesn't. He pontificates and he struts around, but that's about it. But I, that must have been intentional. You know, Reva is the point of view villain character. She gets the most scenes outside of Obi-Wan. And uh, I'm, surely she has more scenes than Leia, too. She is obsessed with finding Jedi. She seems much more bloodthirsty than the others, uh, much more emotional than the other Inquisitors. And um, she gets to do some parkour She's got a double lightsaber that spins on this uh, <laughs> centrifuge or something like that. I think they all have, all the Inquisitors have those. I oh, think. that's right. And they put them on their back. There's like a thought for them. Yeah. I, well, I guess we're just talking about the arc of the character of Reva. When it was revealed that she hated Darth Vader and she wanted revenge, suddenly she became more interesting to me. And... Um, the very first shot that we get after the recap of the prequels is of Reva as a child at the Jedi Temple when Order 66 happens. And so it, it, it almost feels like the show is more about her than it is about Obi-Wan. Right. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, she's, she's a co-lead, I guess. And um, she has an arc. She has a, a larger arc than anybody on the show. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, in the you know the first two episodes, you know, were came out on the same night and shown together, and they they did kind of play as as the introduction, even though they were two separate episodes. And at the end of that second episode, you know, she's the one that tells Obi Wan that Anakin is alive, and that Anakin is Darth Vader, essentially. And there was this whole like question of, well, how would she know? Is she working with Darth Vader? Did he tell her that he's Anakin and that he, is she on a special mission? At least this was was going on in my mind. You know, was she sent on a special mission to find Kenobi? Because she was kind of obsessed with finding Kenobi. And, you know, so there was that kind of whole mystery about her. And then, yeah, as you said, we learn that... Uh, her ultimate goal is to get close to Vader and, and uh, be able to kill him re for the revenge of her fellow uh, young Jedi. <laughs> so I thought that was a that was a good misdirect, you know, and a, and a kind of a mystery to think about. But I do struggle with a little bit about how her character was written because once that reveal is made, I started thinking about, well, Man, she was just ruthless and relentless. She was cutting off people's hands. That's right. There's some poor she lady. Was... She just cuts her hand right off. Yeah. 
so that doesn't really fit with her trying to be, you know, an inquisitor so she can get closer to Vader and knowing who he is and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I get it. You know, they're trying to, to introduce her and, and make her, make us realize that, you know, she's tough and that, that kind of stuff. But I, I think the writing around her character could have been a little bit uh, more consistent throughout the series. But I'm with you. I, I did enjoy her more as the series went on, kind of appreciated her perspective. But I, I really do wish they would have focused more on on that instead of, you know, we, we kind of saw her from the periphery, even though she was in the action and she was doing stuff. We weren't really seeing things from her point of view until kind of in the middle of the series. But yeah, I think if you sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end, uh, it, there might be a disconnect because she's just she's not one of those villains that is thoughtful and calculating and formidable in that way. Uh, she, she's the violent one. She's she's the one that com- that comes unhinged way too easily you couldn't uh you couldn't trust her to to complete a mission yeah uh, although she is the one that plants a tracker restraining bolt on the droid on lola and enables them to track uh where they're going and that takes a little bit of of craftiness but it just yeah the 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 screaming chick at the very beginning and hacking up townsfolk it's just too irredeemable it seems like yeah like it's two different characters but she's she's really really broken i suppose after what happened to her and and i guess i can understand that going going back to the main character he seems very broken as well he does we see kenobi and he's he's working as a like at a meat packing plant on tatooine Right, a meat cutter, yeah. And they show him, like, day after day, he has that same routine, and his will is just broken. He's not the same man that we saw in those other movies, and there's a Jedi that comes to Tatooine. He survived Order 66, and Obi-Wan will not help him. And he ends up being strung up in, in the, the middle of town as like a, a lesson, you know. This is what we do to Jedi around here kind of thing. And I, I felt pretty bad, you know. It, 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 people complain about Luke Skywalker going off to Octo Island <laughs> and turning his back on uh, his Jedi ways. Well, this, this was like that as well. Somebody that had yeah, all of this I, I, potential and yet he had shuddered. He had buried his lightsabers and I guess closed himself off to the Force in the same way that poor Luke did. Yeah, no, nobody's crying character assassination Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi. <laughs> but yeah, it's the same same kind of deal. He's, you know, he, he says straight up, he says, we lost, it's over, there are no more Jedi. I mean, he's still... Still watching over Luke, you know, checking out and making sure he's okay, but he's not about the Jedi Order anymore. There was a scene I liked at the very beginning when he, I I was going to say he confronts Owen, but I think Owen confronts him. Yeah. And he says that he wants 
to get to know the boy, he wants to, you know, be there for the boy. And Owen says, that's not the truth. You're wanting to see if he develops, if he, uh, gosh, he uses a word, but basically he says, you just want to see if he has the force so that you can take him away and train him. And Obi-Wan doesn't deny it. He says he must be trained. He might, you know, that, that's probably the only reason he's on this just hellhole planet is he's waiting for the force to manifest itself in Luke so that he can take him away and go somewhere else. I don't know that that's the case, but it seems very likely from what we saw in that interaction. He wants to be a part of Luke's life, but he, yeah, he, he, he wants to continue the Jedi path, even though he himself is not one anymore. Does he talk to Qui-Gon in the very first episode or pray to Qui-Gon or what, what would you call that? Uh, yeah, he's trying to commune with Qui-Gon. He's trying to, commu- you know, help me, you know, learn things or whatever. But And that's because Yoda said that he had spoken to Qui-Gon in the very end of Revenge of the Sith? Well, like, why doesn't he just talk to Yoda, who is alive? I don't know. My guess is that they... Is Yoda also they closed down to the Force? Agreed not to. Oh, okay. Have any communication so they don't alert anybody to their to where they are. All right, that's that's fair. I really liked seeing Owen again. Joel Edgerton came back, and he's grouchy and gruff, and he seems very, very much like the the Owen that we know from Star Wars. Yeah, I thought that that was neat, and they got uh, Bonnie Peasy to come back. Yeah, I don't know that she has acted in 20 years and they got her to come back and be Baru again. Yeah, it was interesting because I kept seeing her name. You know, I'm like, she's not in this, you know, but then in the last episode she is. Essentially what happens is Leia is kidnapped and these dudes, you know, like like the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something like they swoop down and they capture Leia in Alderaan and... Bail Organa goes to Tatooine and shows up in the cave where Obi-Wan is living to ask him, to help him, to, you know, to, to help him save his daughter. And I think that that's really neat because it took something like that big to get Obi-Wan back on the horse, so to speak. Yeah, because, because they contacted Obi-Wan over the hollow. And asked for his help, and he said, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. And so then Bail Organa showed up in person and said, no, you have to. This is Leia. And that's what gets Obi-Wan to saddle up and uh, take on the mission to go save Leia twice. <laughs> uh, and there was some development there, too. You know, when, like you said, he's kind of cut himself off. He hasn't used the Force in a lot of years and at one point um when he's being attacked by bounty hunters on Dayu and Leia ends up falling off of a high building and Obi-Wan has to use the force in order to protect her and save her from falling to her death it takes that amount of pressure or whatever to get him uh, to be able to use the force cuz he's rusty and so yeah he definitely not the same man we saw in the uh, Revenge of the Sith or in the Clone Wars. And then he's hit with the knowledge that Anakin... Because I didn't realize... Well, I guess we wouldn't have known. He thought that he had left Anakin for dead and that he eventually did die. He didn't realize at that point that he was alive and was Darth Vader until Reva told him. 
So not only he's just starting to recover and become more like a Jedi again, and then he's hit with that, and then he's thrown back into some turmoil or whatever. And I, yeah, I don't know where we go from here. Do we start talking about him and Vader, or uh, <laughs> just kind of finish up talking about his arc in and of itself? It, it kind of goes hand in hand, I guess, with him and Vader. It does. I, I, I had no idea how they were going to handle the Darth Vader thing. I kind of hoped that they would never actually meet, that it would be like a con and Admiral Kirk kind of thing. In Oh, right. Just so that that line of when I left you, I was but a learner, now I am the master, would make sense. Yeah. Yet, <laughs> we get multiple lightsaber fights in this series. I mean, two, two and a half between Vader and Obi-Wan. And then, yeah... There's a, a, a lightsaber fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan that feels like it goes half an episode. It's a really, really, really long flashback to... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. But yeah, yeah, we have a flashback scene where they're they're fighting and remembering. Yeah. Once Vader shows up, Reva's importance diminishes a little bit. Then, of course, it comes to the four again at the end of the series. But Vader is a really hard character to get right. And this show was an excellent example of how you can misunderstand who Vader is. He was more inconsistent than Reva was on this show. There were moments when it was absolutely, oh, that's Darth Vader. That's the Darth Vader I know from the original trilogy. Or that's the Darth Vader I know from Rogue One, the insanely powerful one. Right. And then there were other times where I was just like, that doesn't even look like Vader. The, the, the way he's standing, the way he's walking. I know it was James Earl Jones's voice, but, or an AI of James Earl Jones. But there were times where it was just like, that's not the right guy, guys. He has a certain way of talking. We've talked about this before that's old-fashioned and poetic and every once in a while at least in a new hope he just talks like a normal guy and it always sounds weird what do you mean (laughs) but there were both versions in this there were darth vader when he's a spoiled child and there was darth vader when he's the brilliant mastermind and i don't know that you can keep having him be both of those things yeah, and a lot of times he just showed up abruptly, you know, like the episode wasn't about him, but then he just shows up and causes things to happen, and then it moves from there. Because, again, like we said, it, it was kind of more Reva's tale than, than Darth Vader's tale. But, uh, of course, he's a big part of it. Um, they use him too much, I think. In a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour edit of this, I think I would lose a lot of the Vader scenes. And it's just because he works best when he's this unstoppable force. In Rogue One, Vader doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. And then he shows up at the very end of the movie. And once he shows up, the Rebels have lost. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's just like the, the Rebels all have a chance until Vader shows up. And then it's just like, sorry, guys, turn out the lights. The party's over. And I love that, that, that he is like the final b- boss in a video game or whatever, where you have to, <laughs> uh, you have to have all of your levels 
to 10 to stand a chance with this guy. And if you don't, then you just need to run. But, ah, well, other people must disagree as to who Vader is or what Vader is like. There were a couple of lines where I thought, oh, hey, that sounds like Vader. Obi-Wan says, what has, what has become of you, Anakin? And Vader says, I am what you made me. What have you become? I am what you made me. And I said that line before he said it. Because <laughs> there was only one possible answer to that question. But the rest of the time, yeah, I mean, there weren't... It was just him echoing things that he had said in previous movies and or, or just talking like a normal person. Right. I wish that... He, well, I mean, I wish that there had been fewer episodes because there would have been far less repetition. That episode with the flashback where Vader is remembering his fight with Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan is remembering his fight with Vader, they went back to the flashback again and again and again. And it, I... I just felt like, okay, well, half of this could be cut out and you wouldn't miss it at all. Maybe two-thirds of that stuff could be cut out and, and you'd miss it at all. And, and whose idea was it that they would have two fights and Vader would win the first fight and Obi-Wan would win the second? I, I, I feel like one of those fights should not have happened. Would have been better to just have Obi-Wan fight Reva. Anyway... That's just me. I know there were people that loved Vader like burning Obi-Wan on the ground or whatever. Right. Uh, and then just letting him go. Well, that was the part that was confusing to me was, I mean, I was kind of into, yeah, this is how Darth Vader would be. You know, he would want his revenge. He would want Obi-Wan to suffer like he did. And there was a point early on, you know, when he came to, when the Inquisitor's had them trapped or whatever, and then he came down and he was killing and torturing people as he walked down the street. And I thought, you know, he is formidable and all this stuff. But he he was aware that Obi-Wan was there and eventually, you know, they fought or he fought Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was just kind of reeling and trying to recover. Um, and then, you know, he was burning him and stuff like that. But then... The flame got taken out, and why didn't he just start up the flame again like he did the first time? And why did he just let them rescue Obi-Wan? You know, it, it was kind of like the, you know, the old serials or the cartoons where, I'll get you next time, Obi-Wan, <laughs> kind of thing. Well, I, I agree. Kenobi! <laughs> but even worse was... Vader becomes an absolute bonehead at the end of the series when there's this ship, this little tiny ship that is being pursued forever by a Star Destroyer. Yeah, I agree. And I don't that. know why that had to last as long as it did, but again, cut out almost all of that so that the, the pursuit is a minute, and that's all it is. Obi well, yeah, because you, you see the Star Destroyer, or you see the transport the ship that they're on they're trying to run away and it's right under attack by the star destroyer at first there's some urgency you know there's like we need to do something you know we're not going to make it and obi-wan's like i need to leave 
But then he sticks around for another 10, 15 minutes just talking to people and making arrangements and talking to Leia and <laughs> make, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, you, you said you were going to leave. Get out of there. You know, these people need to get out. That was frustrating to me. It, it was to me, too. It, they just sat there. It took away all of the urgency because how could that little ship have survived that kind of onslaught? Right. It just they, they should have rewritten it. So that they knew they were being pursued, but the Star Destroyer hadn't arrived yet. And they have minutes. And it's like, shoot, our motivator is broken. What are we going to do? Kind of thing. And so what happens is Obi-Wan gets in a little ship and goes to a planet. And Vader is dumb enough to say, oh, all we care about is Obi-Wan. Even though he has a whole Star Destroyer, presumably with tons of TIE fighters in it and all that. The the Grand Inquisitor says, you know, but the, the we could wipe out this whole rebel cell right now. And Vader's like, none of that matters. None of it matters? Wait, wait, wait a second. None of it matters? Sully, what about everything we ever worked for? Does that matter? Huh? What about Celia? I am never going to see her again. Doesn't that matter? Vader's like, none of that matters. Only Kenobi matters. Kenobi. Wow, surely you heard that that time. So they break off the pursuit and they allow the transport to escape. And then Vader just gets in a shuttle and goes to the planet. Right. Why didn't Vader just get in the shuttle to begin with? You could have wiped out the rebels right yeah. there. I... Yeah, that was that was weird. Anyway, that's what I meant by Vader becomes an absolute bonehead at the end of the series. And then, yeah, he gets uh, his hat handed to him in this fight with Obi-Wan, which, which I found interesting that Obi-Wan is still that much stronger than him, even though, uh, you know, I guess he's got a bit more gray in his beard. Well, yeah, I think at first it was pretty even hand, you know, between the two of them, and Vader showed some strength. But then once Obi-Wan decided this had to end now, that he had all the power and Vader didn't stand a chance at that point, but... I did think they missed, and I probably would have groaned if he would have said it, but I thought, you know, when Obi-Wan was down in the pit. Oh, were you going to say the high ground? Vader, <laughs> yeah, Vader could have said, I have the high ground now, Obi-Wan. I thought that exact same thing, yeah. <laughs> the episode before that, Vader shows immense power when the there's a transport taking off and he just catches it in the sky. Right. And brings it down and, like, tears out the doors and it turns out that it was just a decoy and that there was another transport next to it and it takes off. But I thought, well, why doesn't Vader just grab that one then? I, it, it, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, yeah. I don't understand how he can be this powerful, but also this ineffectual. Yeah. And I remember Lucas back in 99 said that we had never seen real Jedi before. We had only seen a kid and an old man and a guy that was mostly droid. And so the power levels of these Jedi at their peak is so, so great. But still, for Vader to just catch an entire ship and, and bring it down, and then, yeah, just like the sheer amount of power he shows when Reva tries to kill him. Right. Like, she can't even get a, a, a strike in. He doesn't block it or anything. He just uses the Force to keep her from hitting him. 
and that we've never seen before. That That's insanely powerful. Big Anklevich the other day said that's how Yoda should have fought in episode two. We shouldn't have seen any of this silly jumping around stuff with the green lightsaber. Right. Yoda should have done that. And yeah, for 20 years, Big has been saying that, and he's right. Now that we see somebody do it, there is a level of power greater than just swinging around a lightsaber, and that's it's that. But, but why is it that Obi-Wan is able to handle him so effectively? Yeah, because he's, you know, he's raising up rocks and throwing them all at, at uh, Vader there at the end and wears him down. And yeah, he just all of a sudden got uh, overpowered, <laughs> to, to use my kids' term. Well, and he does strike at Vader's chest breather thing. Yeah, which was kind of cool. And it seems like that cripples Vader once that happens. And that that's interesting. I did like, I, I'm interested to see what you felt. I, I did like the exchange that they had, you know, after Obi-Wan hits him in the mask and is, you know, it's half fallen off and you kind of see Anakin behind the, the mask and they have a conversation and it's a little bit of Hayden's voice and a little bit of Vader's voice jumping in every once in a while. I thought that was an effective... At least for Obi-Wan, that's when he cl- it clicks in his head, my friend is dead, Anakin is dead, and Vader killed him. Well, yeah, he comes right out and says it. Hayden Christensen says it. I, I liked the moment right before that when Obi-Wan was still apologizing. Yeah. He was saying, I'm sorry, Anakin. He, he, I'm sorry for everything. Yeah. I just... Uh, I've got like a, a mental block. I can't enjoy any prequel stuff. But I, I really enjoyed Kenobi's uh, pain in that scene and, and his tears and just the regret of, you know, the, his friend. And I, I, you've seen seven seasons of them being friends. Right. And I've seen three minutes in one episode of them being friends. And I just, that idea of that they were friends and then Obi-Wan had no choice but to do this terrible thing to his friend. And he's carried that guilt all this time. Maybe there was another way. Yeah. Maybe there was still good in him. Maybe they could have spoken. Maybe there, but uh, I think there's a change in him after this, which leads to him telling Luke that a young Jedi betrayed and murdered your father uh, i i don't think he's lying then he's just yeah anakin is dead yeah you talk about all this stuff and and retconning and you know there are things that they did in this series that doesn't link up you know like we talked about the leia obi-wan connection this series kind of makes a new hope look kind of silly the way it's portrayed and then a little bit also with the when I left you, I was but a learner. Now I am the master. That That's a little bit swayed now by what we've seen in Kenobi. But I really like that link between him telling Luke that uh, Darth Vader betrayed and murdered his father. Right. He refers to Anakin as Darth. <laughs> yeah. For the first time after that fight. And that w- had to have been intentional. Yeah. Because old man Ben Kenobi calls him Darth. He doesn't call him Anakin. And I think that that worked very well as well. Yeah, it did. 
just one thing that that didn't work exactly well was the de-aging scene when it's young uh, Obi-Wan and young Anakin. My cousin leaned over and said, did they even try to de-age Anakin? Because he (laughs) looks like he's 45 years old. And I think that they did try. It just didn't work. And there are a couple of shots of Anakin killing younglings or stabbing Reva through the stomach. And that is a middle-aged Hayden Christensen in those shots. I think they figured, well, it doesn't matter, you know. It's, it's just a one-second shot. Yeah, why go through all the trouble? <laughs> but the, uh, the idea of the only person to ever get stabbed through the stomach and die being Qui-Gon is really weird. Because everybody gets stabbed. And I think Vader stabs Reva through the stomach in the second to last episode. Yeah, she got stabbed twice. And then she still has enough energy to go after Luke. Or to go back to Tatooine and intimidate like Tatooineans. And then go find Owen's farm. Right. Something Big really complained about that whole they couldn't go to light speed and yet somehow the star destroyer didn't destroy them although i guess we could we could say that vader didn't want to destroy them that he only wanted to disable them maybe because he he wanted kenobi and uh you know all of these rebels could be brought to to the emperor and you know their their plans could be ferreted out or whatever and so they were really pulling their punches they were basically uh, setting their phasers to stun on that thing uh, but big said that what they should have done was taken the hyperdrive from obi-wan's ship and put it into their transport and they that's how they get away <laughs> and obi-wan is stuck on this planet where he fights Vader. Yeah, that would have worked. And that's why he's too late to save Luke from Reva because he had no way of getting back in time. Yeah, that's... And I think that that simple rewrite saves a lot of headache or a lot of frustration or a lot of dumbness. The the final confrontation with Reva versus Owen and Beru... I, I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that they had these blasters hidden on the farm and then they... Yeah, it makes sense, right? Uh, I, I think uh, Owen falls and he hurts his leg and he's got a limp in A New Hope. And I felt like that's a really cool addition. And, and also, you know, giving Baru something to do other than... I think her one line in episode two was, Hi. <laughs> Because they cut out the big scene where she and Padme have their conversation while Padme is finishing C-3PO. But yeah, I guess I've come to the end of the the series. Uh, Is there another character, another thing that you want to talk about before we talk about the end? Well, I don't know if we're we're, uh, ready to talk about complaints yet, but there's two big complaints that I have. Let's see. uh, Let me think of characters. We can talk about Tala if you want. Oh, yeah. Tala. Tala. Tala is an Imperial officer who turns out is actually moonlighting as a rebel. And uh, what was the thing? Is she, she helped the Empire kill these Force-sensitive people, and now she's trying to make amends for that. And she makes it like a little notch in her holster every time she helps a Force-sensitive person escape. escape. Yeah. So that, that, that whole organization, they call themselves... Or, 
I don't know if it's the organization is called the path, but uh, the the path is like the underground railroad for the force sensitive people to get them away from the empire, and she's part of that as an imperial officer, and you know eventually she's exposed because they go into the Inquisitor base and and she pretty much has to cash in all of her chips and she's found out at the end. But they are able to escape. And uh, I really did like her character. I I had a suspicion, but it was dashed, that uh, maybe she'd show up in the Andor series. You know, that she would continue on and, and she'd be like a link between this show and and not that there needs to be a link but i just thought oh that'd be kind of cool if she shows up again in in andor but uh no she uh blew up self sacrificed herself to save the rest of the the party but yeah i liked her character i thought she was acted well i thought it was an interesting take on part of the the battle between the empire and the rebels and i guess they're not the rebels yet right this is just one other of these cells that are just trying to save save people from the empire and then that goes into O'Shea Jackson Jr. <laughs> who's uh kind of the kind of the leader of the the path movement or whatever I mean he doesn't have a lot to do but uh he I guess he's a character that could show up in a in something else oh yeah that that would be cool if he showed up in in Andor just as a connecting piece I mean I hope that Bail Organa shows up on that show as well yeah Definitely. It, it it sounded like he was a leader, if not the leader, of the Rebel Alliance before there was a Mon Mothma. Uh, but then I've also heard people say that Princess Leia was the leader of the Rebel Alliance. Uh, hmm. But, but you know, she answers to General Dodonna, right? On Yavin? I, uh, it, yeah, that's true. There's got to be some way that the organization works. I, and that's not my job to figure that out. Andor is probably the best. <laughs> well, and kind of what we saw in both Rogue One and in Rebels was there was a bunch of all these different people that were independent and trying to do stuff, and then eventually they formed the Rebel Alliance. All these different groups came together and determined they needed to fight as a team rather than individual battles against the Empire. But uh, I guess we can talk about Haja if you want to. If you want to, honestly, if I were making the movie version, Haja would be gone. Every single one of his scenes would be gone. I, I, I guess there was something amusing about him pretending to be a Jedi at the very beginning, and then he does. Yeah. He does have his eyes open and decide. Oh, well, you know what? He doesn't, because it's revealed that he really does help these Force-sensitive people escape to the Underground Railroad. Right. He's just pretending to have the force so that they trust him, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it turns out he was always a good guy. and um, But just trying to make money. I, I, I thought he worked really good as a one-off character in that second episode. And he should have just ended there. Um, he shouldn't have continued on. Because really, he was just there. You know, he was kind of like the, uh, the Monaghan character from... Rise of Skywalker, just kind of there. Oh yeah, I'm here too. I'll I'll take care of Leia while you're gone. But anybody else could have done that. O'Shea Jackson Jr. could have done that. They could have had anybody. That other uh, lady that drove the speeder, she could have filled that role. He he was really inconsequential to the overall plot. But I guess that's something. Did did the sound of the uh, the speeders 
give you some joy in there. The two snow speeders that we saw in that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that made me happy when they took off in that and I heard them. I'm going to have to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> otherwise the fact that i was too sleepy will incriminate me ah okay my cousin was telling me well what did you think of all those dead jedi like f- floating in in liquid and i was just like oh i thought i dreamt that yeah that was interesting too but before we complain basically reva's arc is that she chases luke out into the desert and uh I think through the force, she knocks him down and knocks him out and she's coming to kill him and he's helpless and she sees herself as a child in him and is unable to murder him and sort of has a change of heart and carries Luke's body back to the moisture farm when Obi-Wan gets there and um, she breaks down and says, you know, that she failed the other, the other Padawans, the other Jedi, and... Um, Come on, say it. Obi-Wan tells her... <laughs> say the word. I don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Obi-Wan tells her, you know, that you, you, you can start a new life now and be something else, be better, be different. And she tosses her red lightsaber into the sand and goes off to have some unknown future. And that is her arc. Yeah. And Obi-Wan's arc ends with telling Owen that Luke can just be a boy. When the time comes, maybe uh, he can train him then. And then he goes into the desert and he's able to see Qui-Gon. Yeah. And Qui-Gon says this really interesting thing. He says, I've been here the whole time. You just weren't able to see me. So that must mean that Obi-Wan had a change had some fundamental shift inside him. Right. Made a breakthrough or whatever. He's back. But I thought it was really neat to see Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon for the first time in, what, 23 years. Yeah. And I wondered how they got him back. Because he wouldn't come back for episode two and he wouldn't come back for episode three. And now here he is. And it, it's really cool. I, I really like Qui-Gon Jinn. Me too. Of all the prequels characters, I think he's just great. And he didn't come back for Rise of Skywalker either, right? Oh, voice. you know, he, he may have. I don't know that movie very well, but I know that they got a bunch of people's voices, including like Amy Allen, who was Ayla Sakura, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember her. So yeah, they might have got him for that, but uh, well, I think they said, well, you could just do it in your uh, living room with a green screen, and uh, we'll just <laughs> get you in there. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I like to think that he was at least on the the volume. <laughs> <laughs> he may have been. He may. Oh, and then we do see Ian McDermott for a quick little cameo talking to Vader. Vader tells him that. Uh, Obi-Wan is of no consequence, and uh, you are my only master. Yeah, there, it was a very repetitious scene there, too, where he's just like, I wonder if your feelings are clear on this. Again, if, if I'm doing the edit, do I leave that scene in it or do I cut it out? They show Vader, and he's like on his throne in Mustafar, and then they play the Imperial March in like this grandiose way, and I think it's the first time we've heard it in the whole series 
but it I, is, yeah. but I didn't need it. It didn't work for me. I was disappointed. And so maybe I would cut that completely. I liked the Qui-Gon scene much, much more than the Palpatine scene. Palpatine didn't really give us anything new or... I, I, I fully feel that that was a digital makeup, too, on Ian McDarmond. Yeah, it didn't look quite quite right. But because it was a hologram, it was fine. Yeah, that, that was kind of a... Well, I hate to say fan service in a bad way, because I think fan service can be good, but... I think that was kind of just like a courtesy thing. Like, oh, we should throw the Emperor in there. Let's give Ian something to do for a quick little thing. But uh, Well, tell me what you were going to say a few minutes ago when you said, is it time for complaints? So my biggest complaint, even though I enjoyed the uh, fight with Reva on the homestead and the Lars's protecting Luke and all that stuff, I thought, thought that was something else that was really cool was that both the Lars's and the Organas showed how much they cared for these kids. Even though there's the history there and, and all that stuff, Owen and Baru really loved Luke and really wanted to protect him, really treated him like he was their own. And the same with uh, Bale and Queen Organa. But anyway, my complaint is I don't understand how Reva made that jump from Bail Organa saying, the boy, Owen, Tatooine. And then, oh, well, that must be Anakin's son, and I have to kill him to get revenge on Darth Vader. There's no way she made that leap. Nothing could have given her that idea that, uh, I mean, she would have known that the boy was important and that Owen had something to do with Obi-Wan and all that kind of stuff, and she maybe she would go investigate, but no, she knew... And she was on a mission to kill Luke at that point. And I, I just didn't like that at all. And how did she survive being stabbed twice in the gut? Um, I liked the ending with her. And I liked the, the fight and everything. But it just didn't make any logical sense to me that she would know who Luke was and, and what it meant to Vader, even though Vader didn't know. So that's my biggest complaint about the whole show. Other than the inconsistency of her character in general, but did you did you think that made sense? Well, see, I didn't know why she was going there. I didn't know what I thought. Maybe she thought it was Obi Wan's child, or that it's just something that Obi Wan cares about. I I never thought that she knew that this was Vader's child, but it very it's very different if she has the chance to slaughter Vader's child as like revenge for him slaughtering all those children when she was a kid. It's, it's different if she knows who Luke is. Well, cause she said, she goes, I, I failed. You know, I didn't get my vengeance or I didn't, you know, make it right for them, which I guess killing another kid wouldn't do that anyway. But I don't know. I just, I thought that was strange and didn't understand why she just saw this little hologram and ran to Tatooine to kill this kid. Either she didn't know who it was or somehow she had figured it all out kind of thing. Okay, well, I, I, I guess I misunderstood that. And then I, they never explained. Like, again, Reva killed, quote-unquote, the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, because she stabbed him in the stomach or whatever. 
everybody thinks he's dead, and then he just pops up and says, oh, I'm still alive. They never explained how that all happened. Was he in on it the whole time? Or Somebody was saying that somebody said on a late night talk show or something that that's... <laughs> Rupert Friend did, that he has two stomachs. Yeah, that that species has two stomachs and that's how he survived. But it doesn't explain how Reva survived. She's got so much scar tissue from when she was seven years old. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So that, that those uh, just huge monstrous plot holes that uh, weren't even attempted to be filled in. Well, I, I didn't hate the show, but I didn't love the show. And it's interesting to hear people just go on and on about how great the show was. Because unlike The Mandalorian, which was great. And consistent. And... Book of Boba Fett, which had great moments, I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi was utterly expendable. Like, you don't have to have seen it. It's it's not a necessary part of the Star Wars saga. You can just skip it and you don't miss anything. Whereas I feel like if you watch Rogue One right before you watch Star Wars, it enhances your enjoyment of Star Wars. Yeah. But yeah. but that's that's just me. I, I again, if there was a two-hour version, a two and a half hour version, if Solo had made its money back and they had made this as a movie, I think that a lot of the weaknesses would be absent. Vader wouldn't have been used too much. We wouldn't have had so many fight scenes that went on too long, or like like when those big doors opened and there's a million stormtroopers and only two people get killed. Right. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> you don't have time for that. But we will never know. Much in the same way as the book of Boba Fett, if it had been a Boba Fett movie, I feel like some of the dragginess of Book of Boba Fett would be absent. And, and that would have been a tighter, more satisfying show. Movie. Yeah. But at the same time, if somebody told me, hey, you really liked the Princess Leia stuff, would you really want all of that gone? No, I wouldn't. I like Princess Leia. I like finding out more about her. But if they did fulfill my dream and go ahead and make a Disney Plus Leia of Alderaan show or Senator Organa or whatever you want to call it, I think that you wouldn't have to have watched this to understand that or appreciate that. Yeah, I, I thought the finale or the at least the last battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader kind of made up for a lot of the stuff that we'd seen previously with those two. But I really thought that that was a good ending and a, and a good outcome of that. And I thought the lightsaber battle was, was pretty cool and their force fighting. So I, I thought that did a lot to make up for some of the mistakes they'd made in previous episodes especially with Darth Vader but at the same time you do have to wait through six episodes to get there or wade through I should say so overall I I have a a positive impression of it but uh, I wished it would have been a little smoother a little more trimmed up and like you said it could have been a four episode series rather than a six episode Uh, I've well, the spirits did it all in one night. I feel like we've had our whole conversation uh, and we don't need to split it into another episode. Yeah, my only thought is, you know, if people have questions that we didn't talk about certain plot points or there's things that we missed that you're interested in, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to get lots of bunch of questions and we could do another episode just talking about questions that people have. 
for us about what we thought of this and that and the other or argue with us and whatever that that would be kind of fun to do something with that where instead of us driving the conversation it could be our listeners driving that conversation because you know like book of boba fett got three dedicated episodes and mandalorian's got several so if people think they want to hear more about kenobi we're, we're open to talk about it but i guess if left to our own devices we've kind of set our piece on it but i'm sure things will come up as things continue if you would like to give us your comments questions thoughts arguments you can uh, contact us at journey into podcast at gmail.com you can also look up journey into on facebook or twitter and get a hold of us there there is a delusions of grandeur uh facebook page that you can join and uh, we've been putting a bunch of pictures of uh our experience at the celebration on the facebook page for delusions of grandeur so um I think some people have been enjoying that. Also, if you'd like to support our podcasts, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash journeyinto and check all the different things that are there. Um, Not only Star Wars, but uh, Star Trek and comic books and other things, extra things that uh, we throw on there. Or then you can also go to patreon.com slash Rish Outfield and um, support Rish over there and, and get to listen to his uh, good stories. He just finished up a, story that he, a novella that he wrote called Newfound Fame about a... a how do I sum that one up? About a, a, an old actor that, just, that played a, a monster in a, in a horror movie that ends up getting discovered and found and goes to a convention and danger ensues there. Uh, it's, it's a really fun, really good story and a lot of fun to hear Rish's thoughts on that. So I encourage you to go over there and, and check that out over on his Patreon. And uh, that should just about do it for this episode, right? <laughs> it should. Uh, why, why did you insist on having me play that clip every time we said his last name? <laughs> oh, the, the Kenobi. Kenobi! I just always found that hilarious. Um, you know, it's it's from the Rebels episode where Darth Maul is is obsessed with Kenobi. Kenobi. <laughs> and trying to find him and, and defeat him because of what happened in The Phantom Menace. And Sam Witwer... Uh, plays Darth Maul on the Clone Wars and Rebels. And so he's he's out in the desert of Tatooine looking for Kenobi. Kenobi! <laughs> and uh, just kind of talking to himself, mumbling, and, you know, just going crazy. And he, so he just, you know, screams Kenobi at the top of his lungs looking and he, because of his obsession. I always just thought that was really funny. And really cool kind of thing that uh, he's losing his mind. And I thought Sam Witwer did that pretty well. So I think it's just fun to hear every once in a while just somebody screaming the name of Kenobi. <laughs> it's, it's super over the top. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> it is. I complain about 
Palpatine going, yeah, yeah, power. Yeah, but I think this is even a step higher than that. Yeah. Uh, and it, but it kind of fits into to that episode. And then I it, I was expect almost expecting when Darth Vader when Obi Wan turned around and left Darth Vader sitting there on the planet, and uh, Darth Vader starts going Obi Wan, Obi Wan. I just expected them to go into his Kenobi, but he didn't. That that's a Maul thing, not a Anakin or Darth Vader thing. <laughs> Thank you for putting that in. Okay, well, that explains that. Thank you, folks, for listening. Yes, thanks for joining us here, talking about Kenobi. Sorry it took us so long, but uh, we had a lot of celebration stuff to talk about, and the more we got behind, the more uh, we just felt it was better to wait till the whole thing was over to talk about it. So There you have it. I think we've got... The ILM series, uh, documentary, and then we've got Andor, and then we've got Bad Batch. Yeah. I talk about embarrassment of riches. That the embarrassment continues. It does. It does. We won't have a lack of things to talk about, for sure. So come join us again next time on the next episode of Delusions of Grandeur. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Master Qui-Gon? What is it, Anakin? I wanted to know what Creative Commons means. Creative Commons is a license that enables you to download, listen to, and share a podcast, as well as anticipate things that are going to happen. Like when I dreamed I'd get my arm and legs cut off by my best friend? These are just dreams, Anakin. The Creative Commons license means the podcast is free, but you aren't allowed to change it, take credit for it, or try to sell it. Or you'll be chopped in two with a laser sword? That's exactly right. Now you've got it. Don't ever leave me, Uncle Qui-Gon. I never will. Not as bad as it could have been, I guess.